Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is a little bit different from usual. Typically, I prefer to record in-person interviews with people living here in Amarillo. But sometimes I'll break that format for a unique story, and that's what you get this week. Scarlett Burke is an actor and songwriter who was born in Amarillo and grew up here in Canyon. You may have seen her on TV shows like Animal Kingdom or Ray Donovan. Her songs have been recorded by artists like Miranda Lambert and Tyler Rich. But I wanted to talk to her not because of that stuff, but because she's the star, co-creator, director, and the executive producer of a really interesting new podcast. It's called Make It Up As We Go, and it's a scripted country music series, the first of its kind. The series features the voices uh, not just of Scarlett, but of Bobby Bones, Dennis Quaid, Billy Bob Thornton, Craig Robinson, and it tells the fictional story of a songwriter who was discovered in Amarillo, at the Golden Light, no less, and then pursues her dreams in Nashville. So it's a really unique idea. It's such an engaging story, and the finale of Make It Up As We Go releases this week. So Scarlett joined me in a Zoom interview from her home in L.A. as she was packing up to move to Nashville in real life. Uh, The Zoom call makes the audio sound a little bit different this week. You'll notice that, as does the fact that Scarlett's dog was sitting in her lap and snoring throughout the interview. So don't be alarmed if you hear animal noises uh, from time to time. Anyway, here's Scarlett Burke. Scarlett Burke, welcome to the Hamarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Sure. So I'm, uh, I'm eager to talk to you. I know you've got a lot going on with your career, with uh, the podcasts you've created and that you're starring in. But before we get to any of that stuff, I, I want to start the same place I start with most of my guests. And that's to ask how you ended up in the Amarillo Canyon area in the first place. So I know that you grew up here and have since moved away, but like what brought you here at the beginning? Um, well, my parents were living in Groover. And, um, so I was, I was born in Amarillo Okay. and then, um, the first couple months of my life, we lived in Groover and then my parents moved to Canyon and my dad was working for Cargill and my mom worked for the Catholic diocese in Amarillo. So, um, so yeah, but she had her office in Canyon, but my dad made the commute every day from Canyon to Amarillo. So their, their lives brought me there. <laughs> okay. Where did you go to high school? A Canyon, Canyon High okay. School. Yep. Tell me about that experience growing up in, you know, a small town like Canyon that is its own place, but also sometimes in the shadow of, of Amarillo. I mean, what was that like? It was one of those things that I didn't realize how special of a community and it is until I left. And I mean, I went from Canyon High School to a much bigger high school in in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, my graduating class was like over 500. And I didn't know a single one of them. <laughs> what I appreciate about Canyon is that it really does feel like a village of everyone, you know, looking out for each other. And so I've, I've missed it more than I, you know, in high school, I didn't, I didn't realize how much I was going to miss Canyon, but, um, but yeah, I think it's a, it was, it's just a wonderful place to grow up. I've 
talked to a lot of people for the show who did grow up in Canyon, but didn't haven't really ever asked if you felt like a connection to Amarillo at the same time. I mean, did you always feel like Canyon was your community or did that feel like part of this larger Amarillo community? I felt like Canyon was my community, except we did go to church. My community was Canyon, but then my faith community was in Amarillo um, through St. Thomas. Tell me about leaving Canyon in high school. What was, what was that transition like other than going from, you know, a, a smaller place to a much bigger place? I mean, that, that's a hard time to move for a kid. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, it was a really, really tough move. My parents had, not to get too dark or anything, but my parents had had divorced. So my dad, he had a job transfer and went to Wichita. And then um, my mom and I moved out to Scottsdale. And I just remember leaving Canyon and I was terrified. I mean, it was leaving everything I'd ever known. And then, um, it was a really, it was a really tough time. But then when I got to Arizona, I mean, I didn't know a soul there. And like, I didn't, I didn't even, it was weird just going to a gas station on the corner and seeing beer in the gas station, you know, Canyon was a dry County as long as I was there. And so that was really just things like that were really weird to see just, just beer in the gas station. <laughs> Not that I was buying beer when I was 16, but <laughs> I definitely saw have, it. <laughs> as you know, as a teenager, whether it was while you were in Canyon or after you moved, I mean, did you always have that, uh, that creative or artistic sort of bent? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, um, my mom, she, she plays guitar and she's, she has such a good ear and she can like pick up any instrument and just start playing it. And, um, but she had a guitar in our house growing up and I was always just so fascinated with it. And so she bought me my first guitar when I was about 12 and she gave me a DVD with like, it was a guitar lessons on DVD and I would just sit on the coffee table and learn how to play. And she showed me a couple chords and yeah, it was, I thought my, my brother and sister were like, we're, we're more creative than we are athletic. <laughs> okay. Did, did you find that it was, um, you know, living in a community like Canyon, which has a lot of, of agriculture work, uh, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of tradition, but not necessarily known as a place for arts and artists and musicians and that sort of thing. I mean, was it a place that kind of fostered that creativity in you or was it something that, that maybe let loose a little bit after you left? I would say that it let loose more after I left. I mean, Canyon has like the athletic program through like the basketball program, football. I mean, it's a very sports driven town. And, um, and, you know, at least whenever I was growing up there, there weren't really places where I could go play at a coffee shop or, you know, there is now. And it's so cool. It's so cool to see how much Canyon has, evolved and um it seems like they're starting to show more of like the artistic appreciation there not that it wasn't there you know before but i think it just 
it just wasn't being developed. Like all the stuff that's going on in the square is really neat and having little like live venues around there is awesome. And, um, but yeah, I would say like the freedom to express those things definitely came after I left Canyon. What was your goal as a high schooler starting to look at a career? I mean, were you looking at music? Were you looking at acting? Was it all part of the same package? I mean, what, what was the dream? I was looking at acting. I honestly didn't think I would get into music. Um, I mean, I knew I liked writing songs. I knew I liked playing my guitar, but there was never, I never thought that I had like a good voice or like could sing. And so I just, but I liked playing my guitar and so it was something that I just did for fun. But with acting, I started taking classes at Anderson Model and Talent Agency in Amarillo. Yeah. And honestly, like I learned I learned so much doing those classes because it was like I think I was maybe fourteen when I started doing those. But it's really just sort of like getting comfortable of of standing up in front of people. Um not that I didn't learn that in speech class, but like you know, like studying lines and, and learn, uh, they, we, they would teach us more like on camera stuff. And so I actually learned so much from my time of doing acting classes at Anderson Talent Agency. Tell me about the trajectory of your career, you know, once you finished high school, you'd already left Amarillo Canyon area. Um, but, but tell me how, you know, that, that journey kind of started to play itself out. So I moved to Los Angeles when I was 19 and I did a semester of college, but I knew, I knew I wanted to come out here. I knew I wanted to pursue acting and I just, I was in such a hurry to get out here. So I left, left college. I'm not recommending that, but, and so I started doing some background work and doing acting classes here. And then a friend of mine who's a clothing designer, she was like, hey, will you just maybe model some of my clothes for me? And I said, sure. And then she goes, hey, you should really, you should get an agent. And um, it really wasn't what I, you know, wanted to do, but LA is expensive and you've got to <laughs> stay busy. And so I got a modeling agent. And so I started modeling for, um, I, like I did it for, I don't know, eight years. And it was great. I got to travel and like see all kinds of places around LA and go to New York and Mexico. And, um, and it was just a fun way of like just paying the bills while I was pursuing an acting career. But then I was still writing songs and I'd perform around, around here in Los Angeles. And so I kind of was just, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't pursuing a music career, but um, I was mainly doing like modeling and commercial auditions and film and TV auditions. And it was an everyday grind, like going for that. And, um, you know, right now everything's shut down, so I'm not doing much of that anymore. But A lot of yeah. people have that dream of moving to LA, getting into the film business or the modeling business. I mean, and, and it's, it's pretty often that the reality of what those businesses are doesn't really, you know, match the imagination that we have. Um, I wonder <laughs> yeah. if you could talk a little bit about like, you know, not to burst anybody's bubbles, but like talk about, talk about some of the difficulties that, that you face trying to become an actor, you know, trying to oh, gosh. model all that stuff. 
It is not glamorous. <laughs> it looks glamorous on TV, but if you could see the behind the scenes of just the, I mean, I've like, I, I, they have a, I remember I was on this shoot once and they had like a pop-up tent and it would just spring up and you would step in it and you could change in it real quick. And we were in like an alley in like downtown Los Angeles and I like didn't have socks on. I was barefoot and I, they were like change, change into these heels and it was disgusting. <laughs> and the photos look glamorous, but if you saw what goes on behind the scenes, it's not so glamorous. You weren't in a, um, a luxury trailer, you know, eating. Uh, yeah. And then like, stuff like that. No, 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 no. Um, and then being on film and TV sets when you're on location, I mean, the Porter potty trailers get, I mean, it's not, it's, it can be so gross, but it's, you know, it's like, you kind of, it's like you go camping and, and with cameras and then you go to a set. I mean, it's, I mean, no complaints. It's it's just an adventure, and it's um, it's been a good one. So, tell I, me, I, tell me about a couple of the highlights of um, of your experience as an actor. I mean, what are some of the credits that um, that you were really excited about that you know you you put on your resume that kind of thing? I'd have to say um, I went in for an audition, and it was for a show called Animal Kingdom. I hadn't watched the show. I still haven't seen the show, <laughs> but, um, I was it's in an TNT episode. show, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, about, um, a surfing, uh, drug dealing working class family. <laughs> I guess it's a horrible description. I'm not selling well, I mean, it at all. That's uh, accurate. So I had an audition and I, I got the, I was flying back from, Atlanta and I got the audition while I was on a plane and I said hey like here's here's the material let us know if you're comfortable with it and whatnot and um I saw that the the episode is going to be directed by Emmy Rossum and so when I went into the audition she was in the room and I am a huge fan of hers and so auditioning in front of her who's she's an incredible actress and has had you know major career auditioning in front of her and for her it, it, it just was so intimidating and then I left the audition I felt pretty good about it and she was so kind um and then that afternoon I got or no it was that evening I got a call from my manager and she said you booked it and uh so I got to work with Emmy and which we exchanged numbers and have we've like somewhat stayed in touch, but it was just being able to work with her. And I think seeing like a female director in the chair and watching her work, it just really, it has been, it was so inspiring and has been an inspiration, honestly, like for me in this project, um, cause I've been directing and I've, I've thought about her every step of the way. So that was honestly my favorite, my, my, I think my favorite experience with the working with the director. What has, you know, the, the past few months with the shutdown, uh, with the pandemic, I mean, what has that been like in LA, you know, among that community where, you know, obviously being on set requires a lot of people in close proximity. Um, a lot of TV shows have tried to figure that out. Some, some have not. I mean, what, what's that been like for you? Um, well, I have not, I haven't been on set. Um, 
the good thing is, is we don't have much traffic anymore. <laughs> That's been the best part. <laughs> um, but as far as production goes, our project, I mean, make it up as we go. I wanted it to be like a film set without cameras so that we would mic rooms and, and, you know, the actors would act out their scenes and, and you, instead of having to go back and like overdub all the footsteps and everything, I really just wanted to mic these settings. That was our plan. And we did start out doing that. Um, but then COVID happened and we needed to shut down and reapproach this. So um, that's how our production has been. And then we started doing Zoom sessions just like we're doing and talent is mic'd and um we drop off mics, we ship mics, and then we do the sessions over Zoom. As far as film and TV goes, I have not been on set. This has been my main, this project has been my main focus. So I've, I've pretty much been booked out for the year. Um, but I do know friends of mine, like Rob Mays, who um, plays Davis. He's currently in Colorado filming. And Dennis uh, Quaid, he's in Oklahoma right now filming a Reagan movie. So there's, there is filming going on, but it's more outside of Los Angeles, like in Colorado and Utah and Oklahoma. So um, I know that they're doing COVID testing every morning. Um, you have to, your call time is like an hour earlier so that you can go through your rapid tests. And it's, um, I think they even have like on certain sets, they have, like distance monitors, like people that go around and say, Hey, you're not six feet apart, you know, like, yeah. So I think they're just testing and testing and testing on set as from what I've heard. So you mentioned uh, the podcast, make it up as we go. And I, I wanted to know, I mean, one of my questions um, was how much of it was a response to everything else being shut down? You know, is, is it a, a special COVID kind of project, but it sounds to me like it was in place. You were thinking about it. Oh yeah. All that stuff happened. So tell me a little bit about the genesis of the project. So I had, um, well, I had been going out to Nashville. I've been going out there for years and I would go for like a week and do like two sessions a day. And then I'd come back and I'd have, you know, a handful of songs that I'd written there, um, with wonderful writers. And, but they, some like they were good, but they weren't like mainstream country radio going to be released. And so um, the person who I created this project with, Jared Goodstadt, before we had ever talked about, you know, this becoming a storyline or anything, he said, hey, those songs, you know, and he also produced the album. He goes, those songs, why don't we, why don't we record some of these? Like, these are, these are great. And I said, well, I just don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I want to do with them. And, you know, I really like songwriting and I just don't really see the point in and recording them and and I was terrified to say this but I didn't really I didn't want to tour and it was I was kind of I was getting some momentum though as you know playing around Nashville and LA and but my heart was like telling me like I just didn't want to tour and I was so afraid to come out and say that because I didn't I was so afraid of doors closing on me in Nashville and so I kept it to myself. And then I finally said to Jared, the producer on the album, I don't want to tour. <laughs> and it, why, was it, why was it scary to say that? I mean, for people that don't know Nashville and, you know, how the music scene works. I mean, why was right. not wanting to tour a big deal? Because that's how, I mean, that's how artists, you know, that's how they make their living. And that's how, you know, they're, 
agencies or representation, that's how they, their labels, that's how that is their biggest, you know, income. And so I knew I was sort of getting my name out there by performing, but I was, I just wanted to perform the songs. And that's one thing that you see, like when you go to a bar in Nashville, like the one I've played at a couple of times is called Whiskey Jam. It's, or the night's called Whiskey Jam. And, um, and uh, it's at a, there's two, these two bars right next to each other, winners and losers. <laughs> and so, but it's a, it's a songwriter's hang. And like you go in and you think, like first time I was there, I thought, oh, they're playing a cover. And it's like, well, no, that person like wrote that Luke Bryan song. And yeah. so it's songwriters performing there. And so I knew I needed to do that. But um, I just, I was afraid of saying I don't want to tour because I just, I just was so afraid that a lot of doors were going to close. And so, um, but actually by saying it out loud and truly sticking to how I felt in my heart about it, um, it opened this whole thing because I said, I just, you know, everybody has a phone in their hand and I know it's like, no one's going to go searching for me because I'm not, I wasn't known or I'm not known. And, um, but what, what's a different way of releasing music? And Jared had just finished a project with T-Bone Burnett and Bob Dylan and Pooh Bear called Bear and a Banjo. And it was a scripted musical podcast. And so he said, why don't we record these songs? There's a natural story arc across these six songs and, and let's find a screenwriter and write a script around this. And so we started talking about ideas of, you know, what the story was going to be. Was it going to be about me? Was it going to, or not, was it going to be based off my life? What was it, where was it going to come from? So we got, we got in the studio, recorded these six songs in one day. We did a live session. So yeah, that became the soundtrack. And now we're releasing music through a podcast and just from a different platform. And, you know, you you kind of alluded to the fact that there are some biographical elements to it. I mean, the the character that you play is from Amarillo. Amarillo plays a pretty big part uh, of the first episode because that's where she's discovered and uh-huh. is performing music at, at the Golden Light, yes. uh, which everybody here will know. I mean, tell me, tell me about that decision to inject some of your bio, you know, into that character, at least have some, some overlap. Well, I had met with the writers, David Hudgens, who wrote Friday Night Lights and Game of Silence, and I got with him and his son, Brooks Hudgens, who also wrote this series, and we just talked. We wanted to make this as authentic as possible from the songwriter's perspective, and um, one thing I said to them was, you know, I really feel like Amarillo just gets overlooked, but it's actually a huge part of every musician's story i mean whether you're a big artist or a small artist or you know building a name for yourself like you've either played there or you've had a day off there on tour and so many musicians i know say like oh you're from amarillo yeah i was on tour with brad paisley we had a day off in amarillo and we went golfing and i hear that all the time and so i just you know we it, it and then it worked out beautifully that that's how Charlotte gets, you know, discovered by, um, you know, an artist manager who's there and they're there on their day off. And, and so it was really like, I just told stories to David and Brooks and, and they went and, and decided, you know, what 
what that was going to turn into. So I, yeah, it was really all then. And, you know, as a, as a scripted um, fictional podcast, you know, there, there are quite a few of those, but not all of them have the pedigree that, that some of the talent uh, has on your show. And so I, I wonder about, you know, the process of, of creating this project and then saying, okay, now we, we need to get Miranda Lambert and Dennis Quaid and Billy Bob Thornton, you know, to, to be on the show. Um, uh-huh. You know, Craig Robinson disappears into his role. And just, just tell me about getting some of, some of those, um, you know, prominent people to, to play these roles on, you know, a, a project that, that is still a relatively new format. You know, it's not a TV show. It's not a movie. It's, it's not a big award show. So, so tell me about, you know, kind of how you pitched it to them. I think just, well, with Miranda, I wrote, um, I wrote with Nicole Gallion. His husband is Rodney. He's, he's from Groover and we just hit it off and clicked. And, and so she and I wrote two songs for the project and we knew that one of them was going to be this like kind of Easter egg reveal at the end, but um, sort of like an anthem for this, the first season. And she's written for Miranda before and like automatic. She wrote that and, so she had that relationship already with Miranda. And then I was working with Miranda's agent uh, on this project. And uh, she's been like a driving force for us in Nashville on the ground there. So I don't know. I mean, we we pitched the storyline and we pitched her the song. And we ca- we'd come back around and pitch it again. And then it was like, bam, that's the right timing. yes. She's available. She's looking for something new and different. And, but it's not just like, it's not just that. I think she also related to the story and appreciated that this was like the songwriter's story and the songwriter's journey. And I guess overall with Cass, I mean, with Billy Bob, he's, you know, buddies with Dennis and I'd met him before. And so it was kind of like, hey, we we be a part of this project and you won't even have to leave your house. We're going to drop a mic off and, you know, it's something different. It's cool. And none of us are really working right now. And so there was some of that too, but I will give us credit in that we did book talent before the shutdown happened. So I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I ask myself that every day, how did this happen? <laughs> what, one of the things that has been so fascinating about the podcast itself is you know, people people may have watched Nashville on TV and think they know what it's like being a singer-songwriter. And, and that's certainly very soapy, and it's about the relationships and all that stuff. But this really gives people a look into the writer's room and their, the sessions and how songs come together. Um, and, and I wonder if, if that was something that was important to you, to say, this is you know, this is the process of putting together a hit song. This is how it happens, you know, among several people, not just one person and a guitar and to kind of open up that world. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and also this is what is going on in the songwriter's life that inspires that song that you hear on the radio, you know, and it's those powerful songs. Like what was going through that person's head? What was going on in their life that, that brought that song to life, you know? So it's really being being able to share those stories um, and having an, this platform to do that with with music involved. I mean, it's I'm just glad that people are taking an interest in it, you know, because you just don't know. Maybe people are like, I don't care <laughs> what the songwriter's thinking, but 
We had really good feedback. So you kind of had a, a multifaceted career, you know, with the acting side, with the songwriting side, playing music, performing music. I, I wonder if, you know, doing this podcast and and seeing how it continues to grow, if, if that kind of clarifies some of the directions. Is I mean, is that going to change maybe what you do in the next few years, or do you see that as just another thing to to kind of add to the resume? Uh, that's a, I mean, yeah, that's it's a hard it's, question to, to, to just throw at you. I know, but yeah, uh, I'm sitting here in my looking at moving boxes and I'm moving to Nashville. And um, so, yeah, I, that said, I knew that I knew that before this project came about, I knew I wanted to continue songwriting and acting. And uh, so, I mean, being able to do both and in this project has been a dream. Um, my goal is to keep this going and develop it into a TV series. And we were, you know, shopping that around. And that was our goal as well. When we started, this was, Hey, this is a cool way to test out, you know, this, this idea and test the marketplace with it and, and see how it does. And then, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that this will be a project I'm working on for um, years to come. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so you have, since growing up in this area, you've lived in Arizona, you've lived in LA, you're moving to Nashville. Um, I'm always interested in how living in different places kind of helps reframe your perspective on where you grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, has has being exposed to different cultures, to larger cities, um, has it made you maybe appreciate Amarillo and Canyon more? Or are there things that you miss about it that, um, you know, that, that are not part of your life right now? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I miss, I miss Canyon a lot. I had, my mom was still living there for until a couple years ago and, um, two years ago maybe. And it was great being able to go back and like see friends that I grew up with, go to the play at the golden light and have like friends come out and some of my teachers that from Canyon junior high or I really miss seeing the people that you know were in my life that helped you know shape me because it does I you know I do have my parents and my siblings but like truly do feel like it you know it does take a village and I just I miss I miss my little I miss my village so um yeah I eventually want to like have a home there and so I can still go back and see old friends and just you know, be able to go down to the square since it's so hip now. But um, yeah, I do. I miss it a lot. This episode is sponsored by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings in Amarillo. You know Lazy Boy as a national brand, but some of its stores are independently owned and operated, and that includes the one in Amarillo. It's owned by the Hawkins family who live right here in town. Lazy Boy offers customizable furniture so you can design a look that fits you with special financing and products to fit every budget. Almost everything they sell is American-made, and it's a lot more than just recliners. You can visit Amarillo's locally-owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sansi. Okay, I'm back with Scarlett Burke. Scarlett, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Um, Okay. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, a lot of the same questions I ask all my guests. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes more than eight kinds of cowboy hats uh, over the decades. 
Learn more at panhandleplains.org. Uh, the very first one, we've covered a little bit of this territory, but I, I want to ask mm-hmm. you anyway, what's the one thing you miss most about living in the Amarillo or Canyon area? Those Texas sunsets. I, it's the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen, and I, I do miss those. And that, I mean, that's somebody who lives in L.A. right now. I mean, L.A. is known for having pretty good sunsets, too, across the ocean. Are, are you... If you can you get out there and better? see it, <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, the Panhandle sunset is all the colors and everything and the way it just fills up the whole sky. It's, it's so beautiful. I mean, yeah, I've seen the sunset at the ocean, but it's, I'm sorry, it's not the same thing. Okay. <laughs> it's not okay. as pretty. All right. <laughs> what does the Amarillo or Canyon area have too much of? The cow manure smell. Okay. I, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to, going to argue with you on that. (laughs) Have have you heard of anybody talking to, you know, musicians who have stopped here or played golf here or something? Has anybody brought that up with you? It's not every day, you know? Yeah. It's not every day. Yeah. No, no one's ever brought it up. I always hear about the big Texan. They're always like, oh, is that where that 72 ounce steak is? And that's what I hear the most from people that like to stop there on tour. Trying to think. Billy Bob was telling me a story. Um, he was in Amarillo filming with Patrick Swayze. They, were, they filmed like outside of Amarillo. Yeah. They filmed at the big Texan, I think. Did they? Them. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, um, you know, he was telling me the stories about him um, working with Patrick Swayze and, and their, their time in Amarillo and the whole time he just had like a big smile on his face. So I just, and that's what I see a lot whenever, like I, whenever it's an artist or an actor like Billy Bob, I mean, it's always like, Oh yeah, I've got an Amarillo story. Oh yeah. We had a day off there. And so we wanted to tie that into the script. What does this area not have enough of? I think it would be cool to see, you know, some more live music venues. I think that's a good one. I think most people would agree with you on that one. Yeah. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? I mean, I know you you probably talk to people a lot and they ask where you're from and you say, well, I'm from Canyon or I'm from Amarillo. I mean, what what do you tell them when they ask what it was like? Here's how that question goes. Someone will say, oh, you're from Texas? And I'll say, yeah. Oh, oh where? Like, like Austin? No, 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 I'm from, oh, Dallas, Dallas, no, and well, they will go, and it's like, do I let them continue? That happens all the time, and they'll go through every big city they know in Texas, and then I'll say, I'm from Amarillo, oh, okay, is that by Dallas? Like, everything's got to be by Dallas, no, no, it's not, and then, like, I mean, I need, just need to get like a tattoo of the state of Texas on my arm so I can point out where Amarillo is. I just, I, I describe it as, you know, it's flat. You know, we actually get snow, which people are shocked by. I think they're so confused about like the fact that it's not near Dallas that they like shut off at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, they can't uh, meet their expectations and they're not interested. Yeah, in it's, it's not by Dallas. Austin. No. <laughs> When was when was the last time you went to Cadillac Ranch? I was actually there two years ago because I played at the Golden Light over Thanksgiving, and um, my mom was living there at the time, and uh, my brother and like some family, we all we were all there, and we went out to the Cadillac Ranch, and it was 
so windy. Oh my gosh. And it was, you know, really cold. Um, but yeah, that was last time. That was last time I was there. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? Uh, yesterday. I ask that question of Amarillo people <laughs> a lot because there's this perspective that everybody's like on horseback all the time and wearing boots and stuff like that. Oh. You are uh, <laughs> at, you know, actually a, a, an artist in Nashville or moving to Nashville. And I would guess it's a little bit more part of the, the uniform there. Yeah. Or is that I, also I a misconception? It's a misconception. I, I just like having them. I don't know. They're easy. It's just like easy to throw on. So now I'll just like throw them on with my jeans and then go to the grocery store. <laughs> What's your favorite local restaurant in Amarillo or Canyon? So easy. Rose's Cafe. Oh my God. I miss it so much. Rose's has not made its way to, uh, to the West Coast or to Nashville. I mean, no, actually, all over Texas, I think. Actually, there is one out here and it's in um, Temecula. Temecula, I think. And it's like between here and San Diego. And it is the, it's so random. It is, they just randomly opened a Rose's Cafe here or there. It's two hours away. And one weekend I got, I just got so excited about it. I drove out there I, just to get some Rose's Cafe and then I turned around and drove back. Did it meet your expectations? I mean, was it the it same? Was, it was amazing. I thought I was going to just camp out there for another day. You know, it wasn't the same as going to the one in Amarillo, but there is one out here. It's far, but <laughs> worth it. Okay, my last question is, what other podcasts do you listen to? I really like My Favorite Murder. Have you ever listened to that one? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. They're so funny. I mean... It's weird to say like, oh, it's hilarious because it is based off true crime. I don't know how to describe it to people, but you just have to listen to it. Cause like those women are actually screenwriters in LA and they're comedians, but they're not like laughing at murder. They're just, it's just their spin on it. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, that's my favorite one. Okay. No, that's, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people. I mean, true crime is such a big genre in podcasts anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So having one that's got a lot of personality like that one it makes total sense that it's popularity. Yeah, there's and I like it because whenever I mean I live by myself, so and it's been like during quarantine, it's just been oh, <laughs> just a little bit. I mean, this I've been doing this though, like these Zoom sessions with the cast. So they've been keeping me company really insane. But um I listen to my favorite murder and it makes me feel like I'm a part of like an experience. It makes me feel like I'm socializing in a way <laughs> just by listening to their conversation. I love it. It's been a godsend. Um, but there's another one. I actually did a theme song for this. I'm not plugging the theme song, but just on the topic of like true crime there, I, I haven't actually listened to a full episode yet because I'm uh, too afraid of it. Like, and I can listen to some, you know, crime junkie, my favorite murder stuff, but this one is pretty intense. And it's a guy who he like gets to not gets to know. I mean, he works for the government and he's a federal employee, but he, he kind of befriends and warms up to men who are on death row to get to, to get them to open up about where they've buried, you know, where the bodies are buried is what it's called. And it is, but so they have like taped conversations of these like serial killers describing where they've buried bodies. 
It is so intense. I don't know if I could handle it just yet. What's it called? It's called Where the Bodies Are Buried. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, I, the, the production company that I work with, um, Audio Up, it's through their network. I mean, they have like, they have so many podcasts, it's crazy. But this one, I was like at the office one day and they were talking about it and they're like, oh, we need a theme song for it. And I was like, wait, I have a song that might work. And then they went with it. But um, so now there, it's just like funny talking about like theme songs for podcasts. But on the note of like true crime and whatnot, like if you like that kind of stuff. You should check it out and let me know how it is because I'm too afraid to listen to it. <laughs> okay. Okay, Scarlett, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to end every episode by asking my guest to endorse something. So what's one thing that you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Oh, I would say the music from Make It Up As We Go because we're releasing it kind of bi-weekly. I mean, we're, there's, how many songs are now? Like four but so the music that you hear in the series, you can find on Spotify, wherever you get your music, iTunes, <laughs> not MySpace, um, but it's out there. And so the, um, like Lindsay L, she cut a song from the series. Um, I have a song out today. Well, it came out yesterday with Tyler Rich and you hear it in the very first episode, the song that Charlotte and Davis play at the Golden Light yeah. was a song that Tyler and I wrote called Breathe and we wa- I wanted to place it into the series as like a fictional hit but we released it yesterday and it's actually doing really well it's a great song it's just such a feel-good song and I think one that you know everyone would appreciate right now it's not it's not it was written years ago it has nothing it's called breathe it has nothing to do with the mask or not wearing it or wearing it whatever but um it's from the first episode so if you want to check it out it's the cover song that um or it's the song that Charlotte's playing at the golden light in the first episode okay Scarlett Burke, thank you so much for being on the Hamarillo podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. What an honor. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Scarlett for the interview. You can listen to Make It Up As We Go on Spotify and anywhere else you find podcasts. Go ahead and download a couple episodes. I, I guarantee you'll get hooked. Thanks to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Lazy Boy Home Furnishings for sponsoring the show. This episode and all the other episodes are edited each week by Angelina Marie. I'm also grateful to the local people who support this podcast financially and help me keep it free week after week after week through patreon.com slash Hey Amarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Barbara and Jim Witten, Chris Elda, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Katie Linger, Jason Burr, Neil Mouseman, Joshua Rafe, Jess Heredia, and Ryan Pennington. This has been episode 171. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.